Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able Sermon Series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in. Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Big welcome right here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. So glad that we could join together and worship our great God. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called God is Able. And I love this series, right? We're at the start of a new school year. We're at the start of kind of a new ministry year here at church. And for us as a church, we're at the start of a new 20 years. We just celebrated 20 years at the Ryman in January, and now we're starting another 20 years. And so we have a great start to all the start of a new football year, right? So there's hope, you know, wherever you are. And, you know, so it's just an exciting time. There's a lot to go on. And so we're talking about this. How do we grow in our faith? How do we recognize that whatever we face, wherever we go, even our circumstances may change, but our God is able. Our God is able. And we've been talking about this. As a church, there's two verses that have held us together, right, for 20 years. And I'm going to put them up on the screen, Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. And, and I'd love for us just to say these aloud together, okay? You ready? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And I hope and pray that you'll memorize those verses. I hope and pray that you'll hide God's word in your mind and your heart. You'll know those verses. You'll live out those verses in your life. So the first week in this series, we talked about the first three words, now to him. It's all about God, right? Now to him, God is sovereign of the universe. God is sovereign over our lives. He is God and we're not. And so for us to order our lives around him, now to him. And then last week we talked about this, who is able. Now, no matter what problem you brought in today, no matter what worry you brought in today, whatever struggle you're facing, just remember this, God is able. God's able to heal, God's able to restore, God's able to redeem, God's able to reconcile, God is able. And when we begin to realize that and live that, changes everything in our life. You know, now we begin to see things and go, man, God's able, God is able. And today we're talking about this, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Think about that for a minute. All the things that you can imagine, God can do even more immeasurably more. That's who God is. Sometimes people think that God's a stingy God, you know, like, you know, he doesn't want to bless us, right? He's mad at us or he's fresh. No, that's not the God of the Bible. There's major world religions out where their supreme being is unknowable or unapproachable, unpleasable, but that's not our God. Our God is a loving God. Our God is a gracious God. In fact, it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. Isn't that awesome? If you're a parent, don't you love just lavishing love on your kids? I mean, you do. You want to bless them. You want to spoil them. You love them. Now think about that to the hundredth 
exponential power, right? I mean, God just wants to lavish his love on you. God loves you like that. And for us to think about a God who is able and a God who loves us and a God who cares and a God who could do immeasurably more. And that's what we're gonna see today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of John. John, New Testament, right? We've been in the Old Testament the last couple of weeks, jump into the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, all talk about Jesus, all talk about his ministry and then his death, his burial, his resurrection. If you need a Bible, there's some free Bibles that are in the back. You can just grab one, it's yours, keep it, put your name in it. If you're online, you wanna to go to the Church Center app, we've got the scripture for you there. But we meet at John chapter two. So let me just set the stage. John chapter one, it just starts off with this, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that God came down to us. Praise be to God, right? It's not about us getting to God, it's God coming to us. God sent His one and only Son, Jesus, God incarnate, fully God, the divinity of Christ, and fully man, the humanity of Christ, right there in Jesus. Jesus comes, John chapter one, begins his earthly ministry, calls his first disciples. Come, follow me to be a disciple of Jesus. We're following him. And then pick up here in chapter two, verse one. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So it was the third day. Weddings in Israel take place on the third day. Okay, so you have Shabbat on Saturday, then you got the first day of the week. And so weddings take place there on that Wednesday, the third day. And this wedding was taking place in Cana of Galilee. Now, Cana is like a little bitty town. I mean, it's a little village right there. And it's kind of a suburb of Nazareth where Jesus grew up. And so this area, Jesus would have known these people, right? Everybody there knew one another. And wedding was a big deal back then. I mean, weddings are still a big deal today. Right? I think the average wedding cost is $40,000 or something like that. So don't mean to give your parents a heart palpitation there. But just saying that they were big today, they were really big back then because, right, you didn't have anything else. I mean, what else were you going to do? You weren't going to a football game. It wasn't like you had to schedule around college football. When are you going to put your wedding? I mean, that wasn't happening. There wasn't a Christmas. There wasn't an Easter. You didn't have these family get-togethers. There wasn't Main Street Festival, right? You didn't have any of these things. So the wedding was the big deal. And when somebody got married, I mean, everybody came. I mean, like everybody, and it went on for a while. I mean, this was a big deal. And so here you got Jesus is there and his disciples. Everybody's there. Now, I love weddings. I, I love doing weddings. I've done a lot of weddings here. Maybe I did your wedding. It's just awesome. I love it. I love weddings because there's this holy moments there. This holy moment is God brings two to become one. It's just beautiful. There's this moment where the doors open, you know, or the bride's in the back. And, and I love seeing the bride. She's so beautiful. And I love looking over at the groom and you just see his little lip, you know, start to quiver, you know. And it's this moment of like, oh my goodness, look at what God has done. And she's so beautiful. But here's the thing about weddings. They never go perfectly, right? There's always some little thing. And maybe you think back to your wedding. And maybe there's just something that happens at a wedding. You know, sometimes the tux doesn't fit just perfect. Sometimes the flowers are wrong. You know, sometimes somebody can't find the rings and there's that moment of panic. But there's always something. 
I remember I was doing one wedding and uh, the groom was like, man, you got to watch out for my buddies. These groomsmen, you know, you just watch out. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We'll be all right, you know. And I could tell during the ceremony that these groomsmen over here were like all fidgety. And I'm like, what's getting ready to happen? You know, what's going on? And and, uh, sure enough, uh, when I presented, when I said, okay, now I present to you, you know, Mr. and Mrs. And then all of a sudden, this one groomsman pulls out of his jacket a bird that they had caught in the parking lot. And at this moment, he throws the bird up, right? And the bird just takes off over the couple and it was perfect. But I was thinking, these guys were passing this bird around the whole time. I mean, what if they would have thrown it, it would die and just like, boom, you know? Like, I mean, how awkward that would have been at the wedding, you know? Like, I present to you, boom, you know? It's like, I mean, it's just crazy things, right? I remember you know, doing a lot of weddings outside and people are like, oh, the wedding, it's going to be perfect. It's weather, you know, in July and it's 150, you know? <laughs> we're all sweating. It's like, all right, we're still getting married. But there's always something. I remember at our wedding, Lisa and I, I mean, you know, you plan it, you get to all the details. And I had one of my buddies, had flown all night to be there for the wedding and I could see out of the corner of my eye uh oh he's wavering right over there you know don't lock your knees don't lock your knees and there he is and he's a big dude and sure enough timber and he just goes down he knocks like four or five of the groomsmen they're like what are you doing man he's like keep going I'm okay you know so there's always something that happens at a wedding well sure enough there's something that happened at this wedding it says verse 3 when the wine was gone Jesus' mother said to him they have no more wine. All right, now we can laugh about that, but back then that was a pretty big deal. In fact, that was a really big deal because the groom's family back then was in charge of the wedding. Okay, so the groom's family paid for the wedding and everything else. Being the dad of three daughters, I'm like, let's bring that back. What happened? I don't know where I changed. That's biblical. You know? But here we go. So the groom's parents now and the whole family and the groom were responsible. And so you run out of wine, it's basically saying, I can't take care of you. I can't provide for you. In fact, you could have a lawsuit over this. The bride's family could sue the groom's family over running out of wine. So this was a really big deal. How would you like that to start off your wedding, right? Oh, they're suing, mom and dad are suing your parents. So yeah, I mean, that would be horrific. And so here we go, they run out of wine and they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. So we don't know if Mary was like a part of the, you know, putting it on, you know, friends with the mom. I mean, they, all these things that could be dynamic there, but she's like, Jesus, they had no more wine. And Jesus is like, woman, why do you involve me? Now, woman, when he said this, wasn't disrespectful, right? It was kind of like, mom, really? You know, like roll the eyes. Mom, really? Why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour's not yet come. Now, what is Jesus' hour? Everything in all four of the Gospels, everything is leading up to Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. His hour, dying on the cross for you and for me, paying the price for our sins. Praise be to God. And so Jesus just starting off his early ministry and he's going, hold on, mom, wait a minute. You know, I've just got these disciples. We're just starting off here. My hour has not yet come, but I love his mom. Mary, Mary's mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Don't you love that? She's like, hey, I need you to get involved. There's no more wine. And he's like, really? You're trying to involve me? And she's like, yeah, whatever. Hey, do whatever he tells you. Something's gonna happen, all right? I know Jesus is gonna step in here. I know something big's coming. So he just, she just goes to the servants. Nearby stood six stone water jars 
the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, I want to show you a picture of these kind of stone jars. This is from the movie or the series, The Chosen. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's fantastic. So you watch with your family. But these stone jars, I mean, 20 to 30 gallons each. And they were used for ceremonial washing. So whenever the Jews would come in for a meal, you can go back to the Old Testament, you would have this purification, right? You would take the water and basically wash your hands. They would pour the water down. I mean, how cool is God? Like back in the Old Testament saying, hey, wash your hands. And now we figure out, oh, it's important to wash your hands before you eat. So they were doing this and they had these stone jars. They were washed, they would purify, wash their hands. So these six stone jars are sitting over there. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now, when Jesus said this, it would not have been very easy, okay? They had to go down to a well or to a cistern. They're getting buckets because, I mean, you think those stone jars holding 20, 30, they're really heavy. It's not like you're going down there taking the jar down there. You're going down, down probably a hill. You're going down. It's hot in Israel, by the way. And you go down, you get the water, you're coming back up, and you're filling these stone jars. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. I'm sure these servants are like, do what now? <laughs> we just filled these with water. No, take the water to the banquet. And they're like, excuse me, I don't know if you know this. We're, we're not out of water. We got water. We're out of wine. He's like, yeah, just take the water. Take what you just drew. Take it to the master of the ceremonies of the banquet. Well, they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants, I love this, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The servants had a front row seat. The servants got to see a miracle happen right here. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. Right, so back then you bring out, you know, the best stuff and then when people are drunk, they're like, oh, that's great. Sure, I'll take more, you know. Then they give them the cheap stuff. But you have saved the best until now. You've got the best. I love that our God does the best. It's not leftovers. It's not, you know, just whatever's out there. It's messy. No, it's the best. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. This was the first miracle. Now we know there's so many other miracles, man. You read through Gospel of John, you read through all four. In fact, it says even at the end of John, there are so many miracles, we can't even write them all down. I mean, there's so many things that God did. But I love that the first one, the first miracle took place at a wedding. It took place there as Jesus was doing something bigger in this couple's life, saving their marriage, redeeming their lives, restoring their reputation. He was doing a miracle right there and he still does miracles today. So if you have a worship guide, you wanna take some notes today, I'd love for you to write some things down. If you're online, you can pull out that app, the Church Center app. There's a place to fill in the blanks there on the app. But man, there's so much for us today from this whole miracle. Look at this, number one invite Jesus. Guys, it starts there. Invite Jesus. Come on. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and the Jesus' disciples had been invited to the wedding. Look, this couple was wise enough to invite Jesus to the wedding. 
What happens so many times is people when you're planning a wedding, right? It's like, oh man, I got to get the flowers. I got to say yes to the dress. You know, I got to get the cake. I got all, and you just start going down this list and it's list, this list, this list. And then by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh yeah, the ceremony, what are we going to do? Right? Oh yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to, we need to pray. We need to invite Jesus into this wedding. Well, this couple was wise enough to make sure that Jesus was there. And in all of our lives, in all of our relationships, this is where it starts. Start with Jesus. <laughs> start with Jesus. You know, even if you're dating, right? Start there. Sometimes you talk to people and they're like, oh, we've been dating for four months. I'm like, great, are they a believer? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Time out, okay? <laughs> like, time out. Ask that question. Start there, right? Because you don't want to be unequally yoked. You want to be dating somebody who loves Jesus. Start all your relationships right with Jesus. Hey, I just don't know where you are. I, I want to invite you to church. I want to encourage you. Start there. If you get engaged, man, come to premarital counseling. Uh, we have Kathy Kuhn, who's our staff counselor, and Scott Kuhn, and they do premarital counseling. It's amazing. It's amazing. In fact, I don't even do weddings unless people have had at least three to six times of premarital counseling, because it's like, you've got to start here. There's things to work through. Start with Jesus, but then bring Jesus to the wedding having a prayer, dedication time, but Jesus in the marriage. You know, the wedding, I mean, we spend a ton of time planning and preparing and all that, but it goes like that. But the marriage goes on for a long time, right? We want Jesus in the marriage, okay? We want him actively involved. We want him to be the Lord of our marriage, the Lord of our home, the Lord of our family. We need to start there. Here's how you invite Jesus in. Do you pray? Pray often and with others. Prayer just simply invites Jesus in. That's what prayer does. Now, maybe you're not used to praying, you know, with a spouse or, or with your, the person you're dating or, or with a friend. I, I wanted to, you don't have to have some elaborate prayer. You don't have to use super big words. You don't have to, you know, like get down and say, now we shall pray. You know, just, you could just simply say, honey, you know, before we go to sleep, I just want to hold your hand and I, I just want to invite Jesus into our marriage. And Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of our marriage. I want you to be the Lord of our family. And, and, and we're just going to start there. And then the next night or the next night, you start adding more. And we want to pray for our friends. We want to pray protection. We want to pray blessing. We want to pray provision. Just simple things, using words. But as you begin to pray, you're inviting Jesus in. You're inviting Jesus into your heart, into those relationships. And you're seeing God. And where there's Jesus, there's miracles that can happen. Right? I mean, where there's Jesus, so you invite Jesus in. Uh, this past uh, week, last couple of days, I took uh, our oldest daughter to college. She's moving into her first apartment. And so we're there going up. She got an apartment, of course, on the third floor. Thank you. So we're carrying all this stuff up to the third floor, you know, and I'm a sweaty mess and uh, taking it and getting her into her apartment. And after, you know, roommates are getting moved in, everybody's there. And then they were inside. It was just Grace and me standing outside. And I go, Grace, be before we go in, nobody's around real quick. I, I said, let's do something. And she goes, Instagram pic. And I go, yeah, okay, Instagram pic. But what, but what if we just say a short prayer right here, right now? She's like, oh yeah, my dad's a pastor, you know? So, but I go, no, 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 just real quick, just real quick. And I just put my arm around her real quick. And I go, God, just be with her. 
God be with her roommates. You got to pray protection over her and a blessing over her. And, 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 and God, amen. And I love her. And, you know, she just looked at me and she smiles. She's like, I love you, dad. And I'm like, I love you too, babe. You know, it's just, there's just these moments, you know, you just capture any moment you can get, any moment you're driving along, any moment and just saying, I care about you. I care about us. And I want to invite Jesus in. Those simple prayers change everything. Just change everything. All right, praying, so important. Look, the servants are the ones who see the miracles. The servants are the ones who see the miracles. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> Good job, Mary. You know, but, but just do whatever he tells you, right? And as a follower of Christ, we are servants of the Lord most high. And what if we just got that? I'm just gonna do whatever he tells me. He's God, I'm not. I'm just gonna do this. Mary knew what Jesus could do. You know, moms have this in incredible intuition. I mean, moms are so smart. I mean, they're just brilliant, you know? And Mary knew. Mary knew, like, okay, here's the problem. We're out of wine. And instead of Mary going, okay, I gotta figure out how to solve this, <laughs> she just turned to Jesus, right? And she didn't go, okay, Jesus, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go on to Amazon, right? I need you to run down to the wine spirit shop because it wasn't there. She didn't like have the whole solution and going, okay, Jesus, here's what I need you to do. She just knew like, I'm just gonna involve Jesus in this and watch what he'll do. See what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying right there? Because a lot of times our prayers are this, here's what I need you to do for me, God. Here's exactly what, and it's got to go exactly the way I want it because, you know, I'm really the one who knows how this should go. I'm the one that will make this happen. And God's going, oh, time out. I'm the one who could do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. And Mary, brilliant. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to involve you. And then I'm just going to get out of the way. And I'm just going to tell these guys, do whatever he says. What if we got to the point where we just trusted that God could do what he's able to do? And I'm just bringing that request to you, God, and you take care of it. Look, Jesus often involves people in his miracles. I mean, Jesus could have just like snapped his fingers and watermen and wine, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You get involved, right? You go down and you pull the water. You fill up the jars. I am so grateful. God doesn't need us. He's God. But he allows us to be a part of what he's doing. He allows us a front row seat. See, here, here's how it works, right? God prompts your heart to invite somebody to church. And you're like, man, I don't know. They're going through a hard time. And they, they, they keep talking to me about things they're struggling in. And, and maybe I should. And, and God's going, yeah, just invite them. And, and you're like, ah, no. And then he comes back and you're like, oh, okay. And you get this opportunity and you go, hey, I want to love for you to come to church. And, and you're just blown away. They go, yes. And you're like, wow, awesome, okay. And, and then they come and they don't even tell you they come sometime. And then they show up one week and then they hear something and, and God begins to stir in their heart and they say, hey, can we go to lunch or can we grab coffee? I, I got something I want to ask you about. And you sit down with them and you're sitting there and then they start saying, hey, can you tell me about this? Can you tell me about, you know, a relationship with the Lord? What, what does that mean? And you go, you know, I don't understand it all either. But listen, I'm going to tell you what God's done in my life. I want to tell you how God changed my heart. I gave my life to Christ and here's what God's doing. And they're like, I want that. And you're like, awesome. <laughs> you know, and you're right there. You have this chance to tell about Jesus. And then weeks later, you see them accepting Christ and being baptized. You're watching God heal in their marriage. And you just sit there and go, only God. I just got a front row seat. I didn't even do it. I mean, it was God who changed the heart. It was God who changed the life. But God allowed me. And then your faith grows. Your life grows. When you go on a mission trip and you're scared to death and you go and then you have this incredible time, you're like, God 
Use me. He didn't need me. He used me. That's what God's doing in our lives. Look, these servants had to be obedient and draw the water. These servants could have said, oh yeah, okay, you know, but, but they had to be obedient. And in your life and in my life, you grow spiritually by being obedient. Trust and obey. This is a hymn we used to sing all the time, right? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And as you mature spiritually, here's the thing, right? As you mature spiritually, you become quicker in that response. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, you become quicker. You're like, oh, I need to send that text. I need to pray that prayer. I, I need to encourage somebody. I need to bless somebody. I need to be generous. It, it's just like, then you go immediate obedience, immediate obedience. And there's that moment of engaging for the glory of God. So here's what I'd say to all of us, right? Just stay faithful. Stay faithful. Keep drawing the water. Keep coming to church. Keep praying for your children. Keep praying for your friends. Keep being involved. Keep sending the texts. Keep sending the books. Keep reaching out. Keep encouraging because a miracle is coming. A miracle is coming. And you and I just stay faithful. You and I stay in the center of God's will, walking with him, even through the hardships, even through the struggles, because a miracle is coming. Stay faithful. Because here's the thing. Jesus loves to do immeasurably more. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. He loves to do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine in our lives. In fact, I bet if you look back over your life, you'll go, wow, God has come through time and time and time again. I can't even believe I am where I am today. I can't believe what God's done in my life today. God loves to continue to do that. Look, then he called the bridegroom aside, said everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine. After the guests had too much to drink, but you have saved the best. Look at that, the best, the best until now. Hey, Jesus turned water into wine. You know, if you go back in the Old Testament, in the book of Joel, Joel chapter three, there's an Old Testament messianic prophecy. There's all these prophecies in the Old Testament written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And they're written by different authors. I mean, people who were kings, people who were shepherds. I mean, people who didn't even know each other. But all 300 are fulfilled in Jesus. I mean, the, the probability is astronomical. But one in Joel chapter three, it says in the day, in that day, the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk and the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house. And what's that talking about? That's talking about a new day, a day of the Lord, a day when the Messiah was gonna come. And how awesome to see Jesus, the very first miracle fulfilling this. It's flowing with wine. It's flowing with wine. Look, here it is. You may remember Jesus' first sermon. He goes to a synagogue, Luke chapter four, and he picks up the scroll and he reads Isaiah 61, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. He's fulfilling every prophecy. Listen, it wasn't just a little wine. <laughs> but immeasurably more. We're talking 180 gallons of wine. Think about that, right? There were six stone jars, 20 to 30 gallons each. Take that six times 30, 180 gallons. I did the math. That's over a thousand bottles of wine, okay? I mean, it's not just a little bit of wine. It's not like, hey, we'll get you through a little bit. This is incredible. This is a thousand bottles of the best choices wine. I love that immeasurably more. I love when God does those kind of things. That's more than we could have imagined right there. 
See, Jesus brings joy. Jesus said the party's not over. The party's gonna keep going, right? He brings joy. When you are in Christ, God places his Holy Spirit in you. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's who Jesus is. Jesus wants you to have a great life. Jesus wants you to experience life to the full. And that's what comes when you and I invite Jesus in. Look, Jesus transformed this couple's life. I mean, you think about it. They run out of wine. Their marriage already is on the rocks. Their reputation is damaged. I mean, this guy goes to get a job somewhere. They're like, are you kidding me? You can't provide for your own wife. I mean, this guy is in trouble. This family is in trouble. This marriage is in trouble. (laughs) And then Jesus comes in. And Jesus brings healing and Jesus brings hope. And now people are going, that was the best wedding ever. Are you kidding me? You guys are awesome, right? This guy goes and he's like, now they have a thousand bottles of wine that they don't use all that. Hopefully they have some they could sell. I mean, all of a sudden their whole life is changed. Their whole marriage is changed. Their whole future is changed. And that's what happens to us. When you and I are in Christ, Right before we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, we had no hope and no help. And Jesus comes and places in us the hope and the joy of life. He loves to transform us. He loves to encourage us. He loves to bless us. Here's the deal. God has big plans for you. God's not finished with any of us. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with your relationships. God's not finished with your dreams. God is still at work. He has big plans for you. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. See, Jesus does miracles. A miracle is just kind of pulling back the thin veil between heaven and earth. It's letting us see. So he does these miracles, why? To reveal his glory so that we know he's God, we're not, and that his disciples believe in him. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, to draw us to himself. And Jesus wants us to have this incredible life both here and in eternity. I mean, think about heaven for a minute. You talk about immeasurably more. (laughs) I mean, heaven is Jesus's presence. Heaven means there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin, no more death. Just try to get your head around that for a minute. You're with Jesus for eternity. It is awesome. Now, Jesus talked about that there is a heaven and there is a hell, right? There is a hell. Hell, void of Jesus, right? So no love, Jesus is love. No light, no hope, no joy. And here's the thing. Sometimes people go, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't. God invites you to receive Jesus, but you have to invite Jesus into your heart. There comes a moment for every one of us that we have to say, have I received Jesus? Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Am I a disciple of Jesus? One day, God will separate the sheep from the goats. One day, we will all stand before God. And the question is, what have you done with Jesus? Did you just try to live life on your own and try to do it all yourself? Or was there a time that you said, Jesus, come in, forgive my sins. I confess to you. I need you. I repent. I want to follow you. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. 
Then I spend eternity with Jesus, both now and forever. That's the whole purpose. Every miracle showing us about salvation and the hope that we have in Christ. Look, so often we settle for so little. Oh, guys, we do. We get caught up in this world. We get caught up with the things that we see. We live for what the next gadget is. What's the next thing? What's the next event? What's the next pleasure? What's the next thing in my life? And God's going, live for me. That's where the miracles come. Live for me. So often we settle. We go, oh, but he's really cute, right? You know, they're really nice. You know, they're kind. But are they a believer? Are they a Christ follower? Listen, do you want to have a godly marriage? Are you going to pray together? Come on. This is what God has for you. And here's the deal. Your obedience as his servant impacts not only your life, but countless others. Your obedience, right? Going down the hill, getting the water. It impacts you, but it impacts countless others. You begin to pray in your marriage, it not only impacts your marriage, man, it impacts your kids. It impacts your grandkids because you're setting a precedent. It impacts so many others. You begin to live for Jesus. You begin to encourage people. You begin to pray for people. All of a sudden, you're inviting Jesus in, inviting Jesus in, inviting Jesus in. Lives are being changed. Lives are being changed. I remember four years ago as a church, God was calling us to take a next step. God was calling us, right? To, to trust him and to follow him. And, and I remember those days because we said, okay, we're gonna do an offering. We're gonna do this one time. It was a capital campaign called For the Kingdom four years ago. And you guys, as servants of the Lord, man, you were just generous. You know, there's giving our tithe, which is our first 10% back to God. That's like Christianity 101. That's trusting him, right? We're putting our faith in him. But then there's times we give over and above. We give an offering. And I remember those four years ago, we came together and we stretched and we just, all of us who were here at that time, and, and we gave. And we just said, God, we believe that you wanna raise up the next generation in Christ. And out of those offerings, we were able to build out 30,000 square feet over here for middle school and high school students. And there are now hundreds of students. God is growing a generation up. God is growing up young men and women who love Jesus. Every time I go out there, now the learning center, our Rolling Hills Learning Center, the kids go out and play on the playground. As many times I'll be walking by and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Because man, there were people who stretched. There were people who were servants. There were people who gave. You, you know what? We, we got a new parking lot. <laughs> that was a big deal because we were out of space. And, and we prayed years ago for God to give us five acres of land. And God goes, that's it? Watch this. All 27 acres went to foreclosure. We were able to buy 27 acres of land. You talk about immeasurably more? That's God. That wasn't us. Let's give him the glory right there. I mean, over in Nolensville, guys, we have our Nolensville campus set up at Teardown for nine years. Nine years setting up in a school for nine years, every week set up at Teardown. And we prayed in that capital campaign, God, give us a space in Nolensville. And I don't know if you guys know this, land in Nolensville is pretty expensive. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And God goes, watch this. And there was a church that was struggling and by God's grace, we were able to merge with them, adopt them. And God just gave us 10 acres on Nolensville Road, right next to City Hall. God says, let's put a church right here and let's see what happens. And the church is filling up. I mean, I'm just telling you, you get on board with God, you just watch him do what only God can do. That is the fun part. That's the exciting part. And that's the invitation that God has for each of us. William Carey said this, expect great things from God. <laughs> Attempt great things for God. So what are your expectations? Are you praying bold prayers in your life? Are you expecting God to show up? 
Are you willing to turn over to him and say, hey, God, I need help here in my dating life. God, I'm going to give it to you. you know, I've been trying to do it on my own right now. <laughs> but God, I, I need you. God, I want to give you my marriage. <laughs> God, you obviously care about marriage. Your first miracle is at a wedding. Okay, God, you care. God, I give it to you. I'm struggling. Father, here. God, I give you my family. I just want to invite you in. I want you to come. And God, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to carry the water. I want to fill up the jars. Every week, God, I just want to serve. I want to pray. I want to encourage because I know a miracle's coming. A miracle's coming. A miracle's coming. So God, find me faithful. I don't know where you are today, but I want to tell you there's a God who is here right now. And he has invited every one of us to hear from him today. It's not an accident that you're here. God's drawing you to himself right now. So would you respond to him? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Right now, would you invite Jesus in? <laughs> Maybe right now you want to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. <laughs> I want to invite you into my heart. I know you've been drawing me to yourself. I know it's not an accident I'm here. Jesus, forgive my sins. Heal me. Restore me. Jesus, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you all the days of my life. You can pray that prayer right now. You can raise a hand in the chat room. I don't know where you are, but right now, Maybe you just want to say, Jesus, I want to invite you into my marriage. <laughs> God, you know the struggles. You know the tension. You, you know that. But, but Father, I know you can do immeasurably more. God, I want to have a great marriage. I love my spouse. I, I just want us to work together. So Father, God, please. God, I want to invite you into my kids. I want to invite you into the, to their school, into their relationships, into their future. God, I know you care. I know you love them even more than I do. So God, I, I invite you in. So Father, here we are, your disciples today, your servants today. If God, we are so thankful that you've called us, that you've redeemed us, that you've restored us. And I pray today that God, you would do immeasurably more in every one of our lives. Meet us in this moment, change us forever. God, I speak Jesus right now over every person over every marriage, over every family, over every life. I speak Jesus. So God, meet us right now as we respond back to you in worship. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.